lights, camera, the ice cream down, and you give me 10 push-ups. Producer, stop that intro. Uh, I roll that intro. I apologies about my intro, intro. Intro. There ain't no intro for war. The only intro is getting your head down and keeping it down before it gets blown off. I think. I'm not sure. I've, I've never been in a war. I'm sorry. Welcome <laughs> 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 to Cinemagic Podcast, everyone, for another great week of discussing movies. And I know if you listen to our last episode, we're supposed to be doing something totally differently. But in light of everything that's going on, we thought we'd just switch up the subject, but before we get into all that, let's check in with my favorite host, co-host, um, uh, you know, the man with the plan who can't stop eating ice cream when we're recording a podcast. That's right, the one and only Rick Acevedo. Stay I'm high. just saying, this haagen ice cream, it is the bomb diggity. Now, I don't recommend that people eat ice cream all the time, but I am saying... It's the one thing in life that makes you happy. I'm going to disagree with Rick. You should eat ice cream all the time and eat some Ben and Jerry's. They got a lot of great flavors. They're ben excellent. Ben and Jerry's absolutely fabulous. And then, and, I, and then like, wash it down with some popcorn and seaweed butter. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, I could, I, I literally think if I had a time machine, the one thing I'd bring back with me is either candy or ice cream. Uh, candy, more likely, because ice cream will melt. But I think you could literally become a god and control it because there is um, nothing in the yeah. as yeah. candy and ice cream that has ever been made. So uh, eat eat as much ice cream. I don't care where you are in the world. Whatever eat. version of ice cream you got, eat it. <laughs> I mean, they're all great. Even the homemade <laughs> stuff, man. Even the homemade stuff. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever been anywhere where I haven't liked their version of ice cream. Um, I, I, I'll take gelato. I'll, I'll take that any day. I, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know yeah. that there's a thing. That, I don't know that there's an ice cream that I don't like. I even love the Dipping Dots. Oh, yeah. And, even Dipping Dots, yep. I mean, Dipping Dots, it's like you take it or you leave it or whatever. But uh, what, what were we talking about? Were we talking about war, right? Like, we're actually... <laughs> we are talking about ice cream. We are talking... Let me let me let's start the conversation by talking about something completely different because this is so damn depressing. <laughs> well, you gotta see see before you mess up, right? You gotta know what people are fighting for, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm fighting for ice cream, damn straight. Uh, you know, it's for delicious, delicious ice cream. No, seriously, because you know these past weeks have been kind of crazy it, for. They have been yeah. They have they have been insane and it's a, and you know I mean war is something that affects everybody differently um obviously those of us that have never done a day in a battlefield would not understand mm-hmm. um you know and for me personally uh, the reason why I say that is I I actually sat down years ago um and ghost wrote a book called uh, Faces War Iraq um, for a veteran that had had been in, in, in a war situation, pretty much everything that he described to me as I sat with him for weeks and weeks, basically, you know, taping and taking notes to create the book, um, really spoke at length about what it is that we think and also what it is that we see because war movies, war movies are very highly researched what you see goes through a massive amount of vetting and consultation and everything like that and a lot of times you, you still don't see the whole of it you you see something that's in fact a lot more toned down you know so certain films like um you know uh, uh, saving private ryan or full metal jacket are a lot closer to the story um, and, you know, honestly, it, it, it gets you to look at just what a, 
a theater of tragedy war truly is and 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 i say theater of tragedy because i think we have to put it in that specific mm -hmm. context of you know these aren't films that you go to see if you want to have a laugh and you want to eat your popcorn and stuff like that i mean there is like an like an emotional investment that you make when you're well, doing I, that and i think that comes down to the type of movie because war movies yeah. come in all shapes and sizes uh, and the mm -hmm. reason, again, we're talking about this from real life events that happened this week that we didn't think were going to happen, obviously. Uh, no one did. Uh, no. It just kind of popped out of nowhere. Yeah, it, uh, it, it so happens. we go talk about it. But I think you have movies that war propaganda movies that want you to join the military. War is cool and awesome. To anti-war movies that are really trying to show the futility of war and of itself. To movies such as even Schindler's List or anything else that tries to not look at soldiers on a battlefield, but the consequences of war mm -hmm. to everyday citizens. So I think uh, war movies come in a lot of shapes and sizes. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. So there are some that are very gung ho, rah rah rah, his boom ba, right? And those tend to be more of your action movies. Uh, we talked about action movies though. But if you even think of uh, my one of my favorite actresses is Rihanna. Uh, shout out to you, Rihanna. Love you. Uh, she was in Battleship. Which is a war movie, uh, <laughs> much more aimed you, at you fun and silliness. My battleship, and I'll yeah. never forgive you for that. Um, <laughs> that's a great game too. Um, yeah. I, I think though, and you and you bring up a great point here because I think you know war movies they run the gamut, um, and I don't think you know there are films. Um, like the Nuremberg trials that are designed to look at the at the aftermath and I mean if you look at the Nuremberg trials one of the most powerful scenes you'll ever see on film was the eight minute um, scene for which Montgomery Cliff rest his soul was nominated where he is this insanely um, just battle damaged soldier that is trying desperately but unable to basically justify his being a part of of the German army, the Nazi army, but you know, basically just trying and 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 losing like losing almost his mind on on the stand just in a very calm manner because he realizes no there's there's just no point in doing this because this is horrible you know like you see it on the on the visual and i mean it obviously had a lot to do with you know what was happening in montgomery cliff's life at that point in time but um you know like war films um because they're so they hit so close to reality it's almost like what Cecil B. the Mill used to say about the Bible. He said, if you open the Bible up to any page, I'll make you an epic film. Mm -hmm. War is almost the exact same thing. You look at any point of war, at any point, and just because of the scale and everything that ever happened, it, is an, it, is, it, it becomes an absolute epic and it, it does, it's not really even about what side of the fence you're sitting on so much as, like, you look at this and you're like, holy crap, the amount of, like, what we ignore in real life mm -hmm. is being brought to us through a fictionalized account of something that happened in real life. And that, whether it's what happened to citizens, the aftermath, the before, the actual event itself... There's like about a million ways that that story can be told. And that to me is like the one thing about war films. And I mean, you brought up the word propaganda. One of the one of the biggest and foremost examples of a war film that was actually a propaganda film um, was the Battleship Potemkin. Watch the Battleship Potemkin. It was made, I think, in 1916 or 17. I, I still actually have a DVD copy of it. It is... A propaganda film that just turned out to eventually be one of the greatest um, examples for proper storytelling on paper that mm -hmm. was ever made. Battleship Potemkin. Incredibly uh, 
graphic film for its time and, and ahead of its time. So, yep. I mean, it like you said, it, there's just so much there. And, and, and I'm going to say this, and this may be controversial. I'm not going to, and let, let's see, right? I'm just going to put it out here. I do think that war movies, even though I know a lot of people like Save It, Private and Ryan, have, especially in the United States, if you're, lucky, if you're looking at what comes from the United States, post-Vietnam, after Apocalypse Now, really, don't get to say a lot about war anymore because of war propaganda, because we put it out there, right? So I think newer war movies, even to Hurt Locker and Black Hawk Down, don't kind of have the sting of films that went before them because of, and especially if we have international listeners, maybe people who are not familiar with film, uh, no movie kind of gets made about the American military without the American military say so. Uh, you, anytime you see planes, anytime you see battleships, anything else, literally the military has to approve that. And so they're looking at your script in the way that you're literally portraying the military, and you have to always end up with a positive light or else they're not going to let you borrow or use or say any of that footage. Uh, so I think that the sting of war movies kind of gets away because you don't have the freedom of free expression to say everything you would like to say because and, of that government. And I, I, you know, there's, there's no, like, the great, there's no greater example of that that when the Green Berets were, was made with John Wayne. And the reason for that is, you know, there was such and understandably so there was such a negative like uh look at how you know and why we were involved in vietnam which we were there for like 17 years um it's terrible yeah it was terrible so the whole the whole purpose of putting together green berets was to try and uh and, and take what was going on in, in, in American culture at the time and say, look, guys, look, this is John Wayne. It's the Duke. It's the Duke. And, and I mean, it's really war films to this day are, are still propaganda tools in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're not going to see something that that's a negative view on your country's military wherever you're at mm. um it's you know those are those are films that are a lot harder to make yeah. and those are stories that are a lot harder to tell um mm. which is why when you sit down with with a veteran you know they'll say look whatever you're seeing that's only about a third of it at best and I know for a fact because, you know, and again, I don't, I don't want to throw this out there, um, but the person that I sat with for for months told me like some stories that made my hair stand on end. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, you know, like one of the most, one of the most, and this was war film, but it it wasn't, it was a documentary really. Um, um, it, and it showed this young man um, talking, and, and uh, he was in Vietnam, and he just he had he had that thousand yard stare as he was talking, saying, you know, people are dying, little kids. This doesn't make any damn sense. Um, war films will give you some of that in spots but they don't give you all of it um i think you know one of the things that they do with war films is they like to put in the love story of the unrequited love that was not Mm -hmm. you know that uh, oh the girl in Vietnam that ended up being left behind by her love who was an American, uh, you know, GI or whatever. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's there's that aspect to it, you know, to, to war films that I think we, like, oftentimes fail to look at. You know, um, you look at, um, at films even about, you know... Earlier wars, 
with the formation of the country that again will tend to romanticize certain things and there's People need to understand something about war. There's nothing romantic about it. These are people dying. These are people dying or coming close to it and then having to come to call later on in their lives dealing with things that neither you or I, very fortunately, will ever have to deal with. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. war does get romanticized in ways where you're like, you almost tend to forget about the war because you're looking about you're looking at the, at the young sailor that was going to leave with his best gal and they were going to get married and then Pearl Harbor happened. Yep. You know. So <laughs> well, yeah. and that's always that but and, and that's always and that's always kind of what you see. You yep. know, look at films from here to eternity. One of the best most romantic scenes you'll ever see is in From Here to Eternity. But from here to eternity, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, does take place in uh, in the in Pearl Harbor. If, I, if I'm not mistaken, and like you see all these stories playing out it, against the um, the war theater, <clears throat> but the real reality isn't one hundred percent addressed. Which there's nothing controversial about telling the truth. Really, I mean, it's not. You know, we're putting it in the context of what you see is what you see, but here's the reasons for why why you see it. And you have to ask yourself, too, are we the people that haven't been out there? Would really, would we be able to see 100% the reality of a, Let's say that someone did a documentary, or let's say that someone did do a war film, you know, would we a hundred percent be able to see that reality? I mean, hell, uh, uh, not a po- yeah, Apocalypse Now mm-hmm. is a great example of just how hard it is. Or even look, even look at Full Metal Jacket. I mean, Full Metal Jacket yeah. from from freaking training camp until war is so like you know, and I've heard. From people mm. about Apocalypse Now and Full Metal Jacket being the kind of uh, of film, the kind of films that are like, you don't take veterans to see those films or people like that because that that really does hit it a lot closer and a lot more on the nose and stuff that you know like Black Hawk Down and and everything like that. Because if you see an actor sitting in a corner with a rifle saying, and then this is what happened. I shot my rifle. My rifle was shot. Okay, that might seem powerful, but realistically, no no soldier ever had enough time to sit in a corner and talking about, you know, how they shot their rifle and the rifle was shot and all this other stuff. So, like, you gotta, you know, you yeah, gotta look I, at things realistically. Yeah. And I feel you, and I've heard things from, and I think the, the image sticks with a lot of us, if you've ever seen Save It Private Ryan, from a lot of veterans, that opening scene of the storming of the beach, not so much the rest of the movie, but especially that open scene to show that little bit of chaos that is happening, right? <laughs> and the death surrounding it. How long was that scene? It was about 25 minutes, right? It was like the first 25 minutes of the movie? Yep, yep, yep. I think it was around that, around that one. And so, you know, and so you get things like Dunkirk in 1917. They're trying to harp back to show that realism. Uh, that you can do with older wars, but you, you usually can't reflect on anything currently happening, right? Uh, <laughs> get yeah. a lot of that. Uh, and you know, I and uh, as a person who my father's in the military, I got a lot of family members in the military, best friends in the military, um, and all that. I, I do understand the appeal of movies uh, depicting war. Uh, they're they're naturally a place for good guys and bad guys. Naturally a place for drama. Naturally a place for um, uh, 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 of looking at emotions and other things and spectacle, yeah. action. You know everything you think about movies. What do you want? You want drama. You want action. You want interest, love, characters, death, feeling. And what's more set up than a war, right? Uh, <laughs> it has all here, that here, here's the thing. Here's the thing, war as, as a creative tool, as a creative tool, is incredibly, you, you, set, you hit on a key word, spectacle. Spectacle mm. draws, spectacle, yeah. 
the spectacle, there's a lot of artists, and, and, and now I'm talking about, you know, contemporary artists and people like that, love to use spectacle art to draw attention. Yes. Okay, the spider outside of the Guggenheim, an example of spectacle art. Every major chapel that you've ever seen in your entire life, be it on the internet or actually gone to, it is spectacle. It is spectacle because it's designed to draw you in. It is designed to either on scale or detail draw your attention. What the hell is going to draw more your attention than sitting down and watching massive crowds converge to fight in one location? Mm -hmm. What? What was the one thing that everyone still remembers about um, yeah, Endgame? Let's say Avengers and Infinity and, 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 War. Yeah, Infinity War, not yeah. Endgame. Was it Endgame or Infinity War where they had the big... Well, both. Infinity well, yeah, War yeah. had a big battle at the end and Endgame had a big battle. Right. Both so, Thanos so, at the but, end. But like, that particular war when everybody's just kicking the crap out of each other. It's inspired by war because that is what we think of. Why is it that you were able to, as a kid, buy the bags of little plastic soldiers and there were $3 and you had like 10,000 of them in a, well, not 10,000, but you know, you had a million of them in a bag because that is the one thing that attracts people. Um, it attracts, it attracts the participants Okay, and this is very unfortunate. And it attracts the spectator. Because there's really only two people, you know, like in, in that regard that are attracted by it. And it's definitely in that group, it's not included the citizens of a country that's being invaded or anything like that. No, it's, it's the spectator mm -hmm. that's watching everything that's happening and watching it unfold, and then the person that's participating in it. Um, yeah. Not that really anybody wins at the end of the day, and that's just my opinion. And if it's controversial, so be it. But really, no one wins, and I, I don't believe that, that. You know, having seen what I saw, and having actually sat down across from a person, you know, and 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 that's just how I developed that opinion. Um, mm. But I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna echo and share your opinion. I find war to be usually and utterly useless, um, and yeah. it, it leads to more victims on all sides, and it leads to yeah, and then the and then the end of it, and, and that's the thing. Like, look at a look at a one of the one of the main war films of the nineteen nineties, Born on the Fourth of July. Mm -hmm. If anybody's ever watched that film, you'll know that that's less about the Vietnam War and more about everything that happened thereafter to the people that actually were you know like fought in that war. Look at every film about. World War One and World War Two. Yep. If they're focusing on the actual wars themselves, it is a bloodbath, pure chaos. Yep. If you're listening to everything that happened thereafter, then it's still it is a more controlled chaos because people aren't dying immediately. That doesn't mean that they're not dying. So, you know, every, almost every single, and espionage films that focus on, you know, Nazi hunting and things like that, or even television shows or everything, are based off of that. So it's like a big, there's like a lot of, and I hate to say this because it sounds like I'm, you know, and I'm not saying that it is, but there is that creative inspiration that comes from how does a story get told? When you're writing a story, you have to create the entire theater. Boy yep. meets, you know, girl or whatever, this and that. And you have to create every little thing. You have to create, to create world. that world. When the world is like the actual world and there's a theater of war, almost anything is going to look attractive. Yeah, I mean, it, it's even great a theming device for, as a person who loves sci-fi, sci-fi. Uh, we're oh, talking yeah. the 90s, we're on the 4th of July. We'll talk about it with Independence Day. It made me think of Independence Day. 
Which oh, is a war. Oh my god. Which is it's a sci-fi sci war movie. It's a sci-fi war movie. That's all it is, where humans are plucking against a larger threat. Who comes to commit war? They do a surprise attack on us, right? Uh, you know, as some would say, their own Pearl Harbor. Uh, <laughs> through ingenuity and everything else, we fight back and punch through and win the day, and then gain our independence on the 4th of July, right? It's a war movie. But the setup is already understood. Good guys, bad guys, battles, drama. It's there, right? Yeah. Like, you don't need a bigger excuse to why people are fighting. You don't have to do a lot of character work in terms of story. When I say this, like, war movies are easy because when you're setting up a world, I, you have shoulders or citizens or whatever. There's a good guy and a bad guy. There's just someone you're fighting. You don't really have to explain it. You don't need to go into minute details. You don't usually even need to have backstory. I.e., aliens want here for the our research. Yeah, the, back, the backstory is already there. there this. Yeah, the story's already there for you, like you said. So war movies help that, especially when you're crafting story or for audiences going, because we get it. Kill bad guys. We don't need to feel bad about it. Pew, pew, pew. But look, look, at, look, at how, look at how it all unfolds in a mm -hmm. war film. Look at how it all unfolds in a war film. And if I'm wrong, I challenge anybody to tell me where exactly I'm wrong because I've seen enough <laughs> war movies to tell you that this is exactly what happens. You got the naive kid who is there because he's doing the right thing so automatically you feel sorry about him because he's going to be the shoot the dog moment at some point. He's going to die mm -hmm. and he's going to have this dying this death scene where he's like <laughs> I... and then die. That's yeah, that's, that's cool. one. That's cool. There's gonna be a love story. With this lady. There's gonna be a love story that, unfortunately, is just not going to to come all the way to. Or if it does, it's one that comes to years later, because it happens. Mm -hmm. um, you have massive casualties everywhere. And you have a group of people that come together, like an Independence Day, and you almost cry when you see them coming together because they're so woefully outnumbered, yet they're optimistic that their sacrifice is going to be one that yep. saves generations to come. Yes. And you, you always have either all of those elements mm. or at least one of those elements. You have I'd say a majority one, of the elements. You I'd have one element too of the guy who comes in and he's normal, but at the end he is so changed that you don't know if he's going to become a villain or what's gonna happen. Or is mm. she you know, it's always that one person that one that's yep. just like, they're gone at the end of it. Not gone, but, like, mentally at least, they're halfway gone. Yeah. So, I... You know, it's... It, those are the things that work. Yeah, all but, those work. But you have to understand that... There's a real element... There's, like, a... There's, there's a reality there. Alright? Yeah. There's a real fucking reality there. And... My thing is, you know, that reality is only minimally touched because is there's so much more there's so much more like depth and and just like that reality is 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 only minimally touched. Imagine like we know how much it affects us. Like, I remember when I saw um, Saving Private Ryan. I watched it at the movies. I was, it was something that my stepdad wanted to see because he likes war movies and stuff like that. He went to a military school. So um, he said, you want to come watch it with me? I said, sure, no problem. And that, um, that scene right there got me. Mm -hmm. I yep. mean, it was beautifully shot, yes. It was incredible, but it was also incredibly blurry, bloody, and 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 just there was such a like a it was almost like a perfect pitch of violence. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. And 
you know, from what I heard later on, years later, and, um, you know, that's pretty close to how it happened. Uh, uh, you know, my dad was a veteran himself, um, would never really watch war movies with me unless they were sci-fi. Like, we, he loves sci-fi and sci-fi. Of course, movies. yeah. So we watch those. That's why I say, like, war movies are kind of everything, right? Mm -hmm. uh, war is a good backdrop, whether they're historical or fictional. And I don't know, some of that is because of the background about seeing war and not wanting to be too close to it, or if it's just that it's just not his genre. But sci-fi ones, he wouldn't mind whatsoever. So I have a lot of things of seeing, like, V um, and Star oh, Trek. Oh, yes. And all, this, and all this other stuff. Uh, I, I have great memories of those, uh, uh, even, like, Battlestar Galactic, but not... Um, and I'm talking an original one, 70s, right? 70s. 70s, yeah. Uh, Battlestar Galactic, uh, 78, 79. V was about 84. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, even though I, I technically, you know, I was born in 84 or later, I watched all these growing up. Like, you know, <laughs> But see, you're bringing, you're bringing something. You're, you just brought up V. Mm. What's one thing about V that is so similar? I'll tell you right now. They had an underground resistance, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, one film that is a war film, and it is a sci-fi film, but it actually gets really close in some ways to military is um, Starship Troopers. Yep, which is a commentary on war and war propaganda. Mm-hmm. More that people don't realize, if not, but, you know, I don't want to rehash that. There's so many things on the internet about Paul Fairhoven's <laughs> uh, uh, Starship Troopers, but it's very much so. Starship Troopers are great examples, that you brought up, example of, of showing what war films kind of do and the propaganda that goes along with them, you know, yeah. uh, as he's trying to subvert that at the same time. I think it's, a, it's very interesting, something that he did then that can be alluded to even now. And all the things that are going on today in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very, it's it's a very, you know, it's, it's an unfortunate time to to be witnessing. I, I that's really all I can. Yeah, and so say. I know we're bringing up Vietnam War movies because with the fall of Afghanistan, I know we haven't said it, but it's just one of those things for Americans at least when we say Harper's Vietnam. Uh, a lot because it's invoking a lot of the same imagery that we've seen on not only journalism but from movies and everything else the sense of hopelessness or even theater you're a theater guy theater. miss saigon miss saigon yep if, yep if we're gonna go there yeah this is all like anything that depicts the fall of saigon in 75 which was the definitive um moment in that you know is is a great example of um, unfortunate human conflict at its yep. worst. And, yep. I, and I'm sorry, I'm not going to get too much into this because it affects me also. You know, like it, it affects all of us, really. Any, anybody that's got a heart. Mm -hmm. But. It is, it is human conflict at its worst. It, it, it's it's so difficult. Just, yeah, you know. yeah, and I know Rick's Rick's getting that. It hurts, and I I'm thinking of one that made me feel so emotional. And you may know this one or not, so we'll just talk about one. Is uh, Grave of the Fireflies? It is an animated, um, uh, animated from Japan. But it's one of those that just kind of depicts the end of World War II from a Japanese mindset. Mm. And especially coming from, as Americans, that we depict a lot of our media as us winning and us being grand. Um, and everything that we did was grand. Uh, it, it is such a compelling story to see it on the eyes to two children having to do with the fall of their country uh, during World War II. And I think it's that aspect that we don't get to see. It's very heart-wrenching and emotional it's from the 70s as well uh but Actually, it's, uh, if you haven't seen it i would say uh take the time to see it it's it's it it, it will make you cry i definitely will anytime i see it i cry but it's such a touching and compelling story of what happens to people 
Um, and I think that's why we're drawn to it. I know I've, I've said a lot of the spectacle, the drama uh, that happens, but it's true. It, it gives you that perspective, that unique human look uh, to even investigate some of what life means to us in the face of overwhelmingly cruelty. Uh, cruelty, which I think is something that war movies can do very well, is look at humanity in a lens of how do you be human in such an inhuman situation. But, you know, and you you um, brought that up. It's funny because I actually, you know, um, anime, the earliest anime was actually propaganda as well, so it's crazy mm -hmm. how everything always has that social effect, but more so, I remember um, was Robotech, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a little story. You know, we're we at Triskelion, we're close, we're real yeah. close. Mm -hmm. So, John, and his partner Amy, and I, and my son Brendan, you know, and all of us work um, at Triskelion. Basically, you know, um, we don't just work; we hang. We, you know, uh, so we were at this place called Blasts uh, from the Past, and. Jonathan buys this amazing thing um, from Robotech, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. And he Roy tells Fokker. me, yeah, yeah, it was the Roy Fokker, yeah. He mm -hmm. tells me, um, you got to watch this death scene at some point. And we go back to our crash pad, and I'm like, you know what? It's late. I don't know if we had gone to Santa Monica that day or it was just blast from the past. No, we didn't go to Santa Monica that day. Did we? I think it was just after a long day of shooting. It was it was just a, after a long day of shooting. We went back. We go back to this crash pad. Um, and I'm looking at this. And Jonathan had already described it to me. So I kind of had an idea of what to expect. Um, and they talk about how you look at this as some kind of game. And it's never been a game for me. And you see this character die. Just die. It's not a game. Alright? Do not assume that you understand the reasons for people, you know, doing what they do to, to you know, to put their lives on the line. Mm -hmm. I... To me, this was like one of those beautiful, beautiful things that was so sad, but at the same time, so damn realistic because it's like, and you might wonder, why the hell is it realistic to you? Well, it's not the fact that it's Robotech. Get over yourself. It's not, no, it's the fact that there's such, there's a simple, sad, profound um, beauty and understanding of the idea of self-sacrifice there. Yep. And in that one death scene, it it tells you every freaking thing you need to know. Mm -hmm. But those death scenes have been real in life. Yep. So, again, it's it's a matter of it's a lot more real than you think. Yep. You know? Uh, and I think it's both. So I think war movies and films, I think, are also good at making something that's usually seen as very masculine, very emotional. Because, you know, more masculine, men fighting. That's like, yeah, you know, it's like, toxic people. masculinity. Well, yeah. actually, no, it's not about just toxic masculinity. No, first of all, it's about brotherhood. It, usually, it, it, it is about brotherhood about and sisterhood because people, mm -hmm. you know, it's not just men out in the field. Let's let's no. get that out of the fucking no, way no, like do no, not, not at all. Saying, do not yeah, no no not you not I, I don't mean you but like people actually assume the people that assume that are so damn wrong about it mm -hmm. and it's like you know like you said brotherhood and that that moment when you lose someone that's close to you yep like that those, that's the one thing that war movies do at least you know and, and like I couldn't say it any better it's the brother it's the brotherhood it's it's that yeah. fucking you know and i'm gonna say this if you would never see some of these male characters honestly cry in in terms of in other spaces and place mm -hmm. but in a war movie it's totally acceptable for men to cry right because they cry over a loss and fear like and fear and you know, they have all these emotions which you think about how much, especially we talk about action movies, right? And how testosterone driven the men are there. You know, they don't show really emotions except for anger and kicking ass. 
But in a war movie, you see vulnerability, people being afraid, people getting scared, people loving, you know what I mean? People Humanity. Crying. Humanity. And it's really on this face of this inhumane where we're supposed to be usually these masculine stoic figures. What happens? How do we find or face our humanity? Some lose it, as you said, what's in all war movies, yeah. right? Yeah. Some lose it, some fight to protect it, and some are forever changed with their knowledge of far humans go. But necessarily, these are all, it's like a backdrop to really explore humanity. And I think that's why storytellers keep going back to it, because it gives you the automatic setup to explore more. Because like mm -hmm. you said, Rick, when you're creating a story, you have to create a world. You, you have to start from and finish, create a world. Yeah. Even though you may never write something on a page about what another country would do, you have to think about it when you're writing it out, right? To make it realistic, the whole world, even if it's something else. So if you have a war as a backdrop, you're like, oh, I don't really need to like, what is France doing at this time? It's World War II, you know what France is doing. What is this happening? It don't matter, I don't have to like set up everything for you even if it's sci-fi aliens come they want to take us down we're together got it got it that's all you need right uh you don't have to set up motivations for the motivations for you can skip all of the setup so you can basically go to discuss things that you actually want to explore mm -hmm. right full metal jacket apocalypse now these are some of the names that we have even grave the firefly and like i said think they have so much more they're exploring than honestly just the war itself and oh, every right? great every every series every franchise that you know is centered on a war mm -hmm. star wars star trek yep. everything there is a it's marvel war. cinematic universe captain america is based in world war and avengers the first one is based on a war in new york when Loki attacked New York with his army. I mean, you uh, can't you can't get any more. You know, that's it's like, it's like almost the gift that keeps on giving. Unfortunately speaking, because it is it is the way that you explore tragedy. Yep. You know, um, tragedy is a. <laughs> you know, it is a horrible thing. Mm -hmm. Not knowing. Um, not knowing if you're coming back mm -hmm. is a terrible thing. Um, you know, from from the um, the book that I was telling you about, I sat with the mother of this guy, um, and she was telling me one story about how she had set up a, a phone for him, like a remote phone stuff, so they could talk whenever he had an opportunity. One day he said to her, and he almost didn't have signal, he said, I don't know if I'm going to make it back. That's a son mm -hmm. talking to his mother. That's, that's, that's some hard, hard stuff. It gets to me now, to this, like, I had to literally do, like, I had to look down and just get myself together so that I could be a professional and not, you know, and I think, wow, that is so stupid now that I think about it. In hindsight, that was like the stupidest thing I could have done because I was trying to just not cry. But you cry because it's such a, it, like, it, the, the, the loss. Yep. But... Try bringing the loss of a character that you like into human terms mm -hmm. because what's making you cry is that thought in the back of your mind all right in your subconscious you're not even thinking about this what if that were my kid what if that were real life what if that was my boyfriend my girlfriend my husband my wife my my life what if that's that person you're not thinking about it consciously because you don't go around thinking every day what's going to happen if I lose my friends or this or that. You don't think about that. You don't want to think about that, man. That's not a way to live your life. But it does get you there. 
And unfortunately, that is a tool that most writers are keenly aware of. How am I going to bring the audience to their attention? There wasn't a dry eye in the house when Iron Man died, for fuck's sake. And it's Iron Man. It's not a real character. But that snap, I'm Iron Man, and I'm dying today. But so are you. Like, Mm -hmm. you're not destroying, like... But that is that is war mm-hmm. at its core. Yep. The thought process of I may die today, but the millions that I'm fighting for aren't. Yep. We you know, like we're gonna kill each other. And again, no winners, but it's that is what it is, and that is really what war films, war you know, actual war films or anything that takes place within that really gets at. At the yep. end of the day, if you look at a character like Anakin Skywalker, he's been in a war for 10 fucking years. Of course he's easy pickings for the dark side. And yep. because he's easy pickings for the dark side, he has an, an inciting event that essentially makes him blow up, you know, and go yep. fucking insane. You know what Anakin Skywalker did when he went to the, to the fucking dark side? He went postal. He went yep. postal. And, and and I know the Clone Wars TV series has flown us out, and this was a misstep for the second movie, is not showing a lot more of that war trauma that he was going through, because it does make sense how he's easier to turn. If, like you said, if you think about, oh, you spent 10 plus years, honestly, just killing over and over and over again, that warps. What does it mean to lose your humanity? As all these war movies are really about, right? What does it mean to lose your humanity? What does it mean to be human? kind in an environment that is not there to make you kind right uh what what happens what do you discuss so anybody out there who wants to eventually make one of these just remember the war is a setting that's easily set up for drama but it's not even if you want to comment on the war the people as rick has been trying to say over and over again the people themselves the characters what's going on what's happening with them what they're feeling uh, uh is more important it's about what the characters are going through a need to say about the war than it is about the war itself. Exactly. Yeah. Ultimately, ultimately, it's it's that, and I think that another another one of the things is is just, you know, when you're writing, like something like this, know that you almost have to look at what the emotions are going to be once everybody out there sees it. Like, what's the emotion level um, going to be at? And and you have to sort of learn to control that yourself. As a writer, and I say this from experience, you have to learn to control that emotion yourself when you're putting that stuff on paper. Because... It's it's very powerful. It is extremely powerful. So you know, learn to learn to have some manner of control over that. So I want to name someone, just some recommendations for people to see. I think I said Grave of the Fireflies earlier. If I said yeah. it differently, I'm sorry. But it, I'm pretty. No, you, you said, it, you said I, it. Okay. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna just start off recommendation. My first one, of course, is Grave of the Fireflies for all the reasons I said before. Um, I really think you need to see it. It's about a young boy and a young girl, again, going through the end of World War II, basically, in Japan, uh, and kind of what happens. And they're regular civilians. They're not soldiers or anything. Uh, but you'll see soldiers in the background in the war, but I think it's a very interesting uh, topic. It's animated. Um, it's not easy to watch, which I don't think any of our movies are going to be easy to watch. Uh, mm, no. I think they're going to they're gonna gut-wrench you to the core, uh, but I definitely would start off with that one. Um, I'm, I'm going to say it's one of my favorite war films. Uh, I, I will put that out there. It is one of my favorite. And it doesn't have a lot of blood and guts, but it does have it. Because, you know, unfortunately, it's always there in the background. All right. Uh, for me... God, man, this is a... Uh... And I mentioned, I mentioned this one. I have a couple of recommendations. Uh, I have one... Okay, so I'll give you the first one would be, and I mentioned this earlier, Battleship Potemkin. Because you need to watch this from the perspective of understanding what actual propaganda like that wasn't meant to be entertainment 
what it looked like at one specific period in time. And Battleship Potemkin is just that. It's 100% propaganda, but for, for whatever reason, it was it, it ended up becoming one of the greatest uh, examples of storytelling ever. So, Battleship Potemkin. All right. I'm going to go with another one. We've talked about Vietnam, so I'm going to go with actually Platoon. Um, oh, uh, wow. Platoon's a really good one over there. It stars the manic maniac uh, Charlie Sheen himself. Uh, I think this is when Charlie Sheen's going up for acting. But if you want to know a little about the horrors of Vietnam War and why Americans are obsessed with it, there's a lot of them. I'm sure Rick's going to bring up another one. But I think Platoon will give you some of that, uh, a, a, a kind of good harsh look inside that film, inside Vietnam. Um. I am going to bring up another one. I think this is probably one of Jonathan's favorites also. Um, and I think we both have the same reason for it being our favorite. Um, it would have to say... Apocalypse Now. Yep, I didn't want... I'm saving it for you. <laughs> <laughs> nice setup, bro. Thank you. Um, so the reason why I say Apocalypse Now is Apocalypse Now is loud as hell. It is um, graphic, but it also has some very deep uh, undertones that that take a look at psychological exhaustion, um, and that's I think Marlon Brando's character is really the best look at uh, a, a character just just becomes psychologically exhausted by all the bloodshed and all the laws. And everything so definitely apocalypse now see i i say that for him i i so agree uh <laughs> say about apocalypse now. everything that rick said spot on honestly um and, and if you haven't seen that coppola's at his best i think brando's at his best it's, I would it's, think, yeah. it is it is one that you have to see now there is like I think three is there three two versions of it there is more i think there's two version. there's at least two because i know that coppola always does one version that's like 12 twelve thousand hours long that is just <laughs> as good as the first one if not better even though it's longer he's like he's like he's like a quiet kubrick that way you know <laughs> so there there is uh I, I i know i've seen i think i've seen the director's cut if that's what it's called i have to remember but uh i think there's about two different versions of it i've seen i think all the versions of it i don't care which one you see i think they're all worth it so they're all worth, um, it. They're all worth it see whichever one um i'm gonna go back to something a little more fantastical now and do a reason i fell in love with this director a uh, glamour del toro and pen's labyrinth as you can see from graves of the firefly to this one i always like an examination um uh, of kind of some of the citizenry and what's happening on the offshoots, right? Not just the battles themselves. So I think Pan's Labyrinth is a whimsical look at World War II that you may more see than not. It's very downer. When I say whimsical, it's from the aesthetics. Uh, <laughs> not at all about the subject matter or what's happening. It is not whimsical at all. But <laughs> uh, you could find, it really is like the strength of humanity and when and how to find whimsy in, in a sense of another terrible situation. Either way, Penn's Labyrinth is the way to go. It's a journey of a young girl um, in, her, in this underground uh, 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 whimsical area that she finds. And she lives in Spain in 1944, as, uh, you know, in the height of that kind of World War II. That's a good one. Um, what's it called? Uh, this one, damn it. Jojo Rabbit? Yes. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Jojo, another one unless you could take it. <laughs> Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit to me. Um, and here's the reason why I, I recommend this. The kid is... And again, looking at the people. Um, the kid is like a complete Nazi. And his imaginary best friend is Hitler. But... The kid learns, unfortunately, through a very just horrendous tragedy. Um, you know, I guess I can spoil it. You know, spoiler alert. His his mother is, is hung, you know. Um, but he learns pretty much that a whole damn thing was wrong. Just the whole damn thing. 
and he has like this moment of of uh of call with Hitler where he just lays in on him. So while this is I don't want to use the word whimsical, but I think that's about the only thing I can say. It is, it is kind of whimsical. It is, it is yeah. It's just you think about the topic and it's like, huh, is it really whimsical? Cool. Yeah, yes, but... it's it's kind of whimsical. It's uh it's a whimsical look at Hitler, sure. <laughs> but um yeah check out your Yo rabbit because it is amazing actually it is in that regard it's just really good and i'm gonna go with an older one for my last one here because uh, i can't let rick do a classic one if you want to see old hollywood skeptical when it comes to war i gotta say lawrence of arabia uh oh, that is a war movie in and of uh, itself <laughs> it is long you're talking you're it, talking some awesome stuff right there yeah, it is long, it is old, but it is spectacle and what we want to see. So if you want to see kind of an older look at it, um, and one that Lawrence already won a bunch of awards, it's highly talked about and regarded. Mm -hmm. If you haven't seen it, check out why. Uh, it does earn its reputation. It does, it does earn its reputation. Okay, I'll, I'll round it out with a classic as well from 1954, I believe it was. 1953 From Here to Eternity... Um, with Frank Sinatra, Montgomery Clift, um, Ernest Borgnine, and, um, God, I forget who this other classic actor was, but, um, either way, it was a great film, it had some incredible, uh, moments, um, you know, the character of Fatso Judson is really one of the most horrible bully antagonists that you can find. Um, Montgomery Clift and, and, and Frank Sinatra as, as like a as like a pairing of two really good friends in, in war and war and how friends stick by each other during that period of time really I think is what one of the things that makes the film so incredible. You know? Yeah, that's good. So I agree. And we've mentioned so many movies during here from Full Metal Jacket to Born on Fourth of July, Starship Troopers. Watch any of them. There's tons of them. All of them. Uh, as we mentioned during the podcast. Uh, that's just a few of our favorites. We have, of course, a tons more, but we don't want to just uh, hear enlisting movies all day. No, uh, for sure. So one last thing I say, there is a movie that is a, a surprise pick that I would say is a war because it was a war on my senses, my sensibility, and everything that I knew about filmmaking, and that would be the movie Cats. Uh, so... <laughs> That is a war. No, I think, I think, I don't think, wait a second, hold up, hold up, John, wait, 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 calm down, calm down, calm down, put the gun down. Um, Cats is more a war on good taste. That It's a war on everything that movies are, everything that makes them good. Did you just watch that? Oh, wait, no, did you, got, did you watch that? Wait a second, out. did you watch that with Nezuko? Because I think if you watch that with Nezuko and, and got her reaction, maybe you'll get an understanding. I, I, I bet you my cat 100% will refuse to watch that movie. I watched it before. I watched it when it came out. Um, I'm still salty about it. More salty than any of the movies that we reviewed here. Uh, I really feel like that was just a war on moviegoers themselves. Uh, and the butthole cut is the only way to make that movie better. So, uh, uh, so are you saying, <laughs> okay, so you're saying that you somehow hated cats more than Mortal Kombat? Anything that we've done. I would watch any of the movies that we've done before I ever watch cats again. That was terrible. That was just absolutely I mean, the previous, the previous alone, um, I see... Okay, so the only thing I will say about cats is I felt that the over-sexualization of cats was kind of unhealthy and sick. Um, it was worse than my octopus teacher. Like, yeah, it, it's like, oh my god, that cat is hot. Can I... Wait a minute, that's a fucking cat. That's not... There was you know, arguments about Jason Derulo's dick is a cat. There's arguments why Taylor Swift boobies are so big and other people's aren't. Cats they, don't have boobs, though. I, listen, only Taylor Swift cat really has like big chat. It don't make sense. None of that movie makes sense. Yeah, it is so annoying. It's a, it's a war on all of our senses. The butthole cut would have made it better because at least I could laugh at cat's butthole. But since it doesn't have it, uh, it's, they literally made a poor guy just make cat buttholes all day, man. If that is not a war on movies, I don't know what is. <laughs> right? 
And with that, <laughs> with that, with that, which, we're gonna leave you. That's it. Imagine. Yeah, we we started with ice cream and then we ended up with buttholes. And in between, we talked about war. Hey, man, it's a normal day. It's cinemagic. That's Shit. It. War <laughs> was a good for ice cream and cats buttholes. Say it again now. War. Uh, <laughs> what is it good for ice cream, cat buttholes? No, say it again. No, I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. We'll see you again next week on Cinematic Podcast. Thank you.